Hello and welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast, the one and only mindset podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs and coaches master their mindset, giving you insider access to industry leaders around their psychology, their campfire stories, and the mindset required to be successful in this business. I'm your host, Kieran O'Neill, mental performance coach and founder of Total Mental Performance, the world's fastest growing specialist mindset service dedicated to the fitness industry. So without further ado, let's lean in and listen. Hello and welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast. Today is a very, very cool day because we have the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Simon Johnson. When me and Simon first met, it was super, super interesting. We were both invited to an Inner Circle event and we basically bumped into each other on the opening night. And we'll go into it later, but the man that Simon was that day to where he is today, and that was maybe a period of, what, seven, eight months, it's pretty, pretty special. So Simon, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Appreciate it, and thank you so much for having me on. It's going to be a going to be an interesting one because it's been a hell of a journey. We're going to have a lot of fun. So, before we go into you, your mindset, your psychology, if you could to sum up in one line what it is you do, the people you coach, what would it be? I help driven professionals go from good to great. Simple to the point. How do I do this? Basically, helping people build a, a body they can be proud of so that unleashes kind of we call it their alpha attitude so that they can be an authority do what they want to when they want to do it and not have this constant nagging feeling of like should i do it shouldn't i do it should i do it shouldn't i do it just not get in their own way and potentially self-sabotage their own progress and how did you get into coaching well god this is a hell of a story because this is coaching is literally all i've ever done all i've ever done since i started coaching and PTing at 16 wanted to play professional rugby professional tennis simply just wasn't good enough, had a load of injuries. And there was actually a lady at a tennis club I used to play for. And she knew that I was super, super interested in it, massive into my training. I was luckily enough to train with a lot of really, really good people in terms of the strength and conditioning industry. So I had a fairly solid kind of base kind of line of knowledge and she knew this and she was looking to take on another coach because she was getting really, really busy. She asked me, I trained people for about 18 months with no qualifications or anything, kind of like a, as an apprentice or something like that. And yeah, I just caught the bug. And then from there, went to the UK, qualified, started up my own business. It was called Shape Up at the time, literally running out of my uh, shed in my parents' garden, which wasn't big enough for me and my client to stand in. So whether it was January, absolutely pissing it down with rain, or it was June, 30 degrees sun, I had to stand outside <laughs> whilst my client was working out. But that all blossomed, got really, really busy to the point where I just probably was very, very close to burnout. The most I was doing was like 100 PT sessions a week. Ended up doing a photo shoot with uh, Ben Mark, funnily enough, who you've had on. He introduced me to Adam and then coming up to two years online coaching now and just not looking back. Yeah, it's been a so seven years. Wow, God, where's that gone? <laughs> Time flies, huh? Run me through the businesses at today. Like roughly how many clients do you work with? You have a coaching team. You know, I've seen you start to scale this business over a period of time and it is really inspiring what you've built. So run us through where the business is today. Yeah, appreciate it, dude. So Aesthetic Strength is like just under two years old. Um, we now have a team of myself, two other coaches, a couple of VAs, graphics team and things like that. But at our most, we were coaching just shy of 100, 130 people at a kind of fairly premium price around the 300 pound a month mark. So in terms of how the business is scaled, the revenue that it's kind of taken on is just, I, I never even thought that this was possible from where we are, but also just 
my ability to help people all around the world. Like I still live with my parents and I can help someone literally on the opposite side of the world sat from my bedroom. It's absolutely nuts. And also to be able to be online and help the people that I want to help rather than, in, I love Sally, but rather than still coaching Sally from around the corner who wants to turn her bingo wings, the, the fulfillment that I get now from what I do is just leaps and bounds on from where it was. And I'm just so excited to see where we can scale this too and how many more people we can help because I just don't see an end to it. I really don't. And you mentioned something in there, which was about, you didn't quite believe that you'd ever get to that point from a pricing perspective. I remember we did some work on that. So just run through, what was the limiting beliefs that were holding you back in, in that area? I remember that conversation really clearly. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was, that was strange because it wasn't, it wasn't even one of our sessions. It was just off the back of, I think it was me, you and Louis just shooting, shooting the shit really, wasn't it? And yeah, I think I was charging about one, one nine five and I was talking about the kind of plans to slowly put up a price. You just turned around to me and went, screw that, charge 300. And I was like, whoa, I can't do that. I think from a young age, I always had this thing like, put me in sport, put me in anything hands-on, DT, whatever it might be. I will be very, very good, if not the best. And I constantly felt confident with that. Anything physical, I was spot on. But when it came to kind of being book smart, like not being smart enough. I always had this kind of self-limiting belief that I, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart. I couldn't be the best at that. And I thought I had this kind of comparison syndrome, I suppose, where it was, I can't charge that because I know coaches are charging that and I'm not as good as them. And it was a conversation that you said to me, it was like, do you change people's lives? Do your clients love the training program and do they get awesome results? Yes, yes, yes. And I was like, okay. And you just said to me, hey, look, go charge it for five sales calls. And if you don't close them, then put your price down. I remember literally straight after we went straight onto a sales call and I closed it, I messaged you and you went, told you. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> Haven't looked back since. Yeah, for sure. And it is, we put these glass ceilings on ourselves. And this is something I see with coaches again and again and again. They don't price themselves based on the result for the client. They price themselves based on their self-esteem. And that's where coaches get so stuck because they think I can't possibly charge that. You're looking around at the market when actually like in my view, the price is part of the coaching. Like that is part of it. Like you you you'll notice this, Simon and anybody listening to this will notice. As you start to move your pricing up, you start to see that client retention rates are higher or you see that the way that they stick to the program they actually get stuff done is much 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 higher and that compliance is higher so then they get better results it's like this weird catch-22 and I always think that for me when I try and go on a coaching program for myself I always have mentors I always have you know other coaches are upskilling me in lots of different areas price isn't a bit of a stretch I always question why not and by having that stretch I know I will get more done but there's a balance because you can't put you know too much on on somebody's nervous system without them panicking like if they're struggling to pay rent and you say yeah it's going to cost you 500 quid a month they're going to panic and that they're not going to get the results but there's always that balance and seeing you smash through that glass ceiling and then just seeing the way that you've scaled the business as a result of that with all the additional income to reinvest back into systems re back into the products back into marketing like it's pretty it's pretty cool massively i think a big point on that was i was always with the comparison thing i was always positioning myself and comparing myself to coaches rather than what my clients need. So if I was writing content, I'd be writing it to how I think other coaches want to hear it. So I'd be trying to be super technical. When I was coaching, it would kind of be writing and, uh, and speaking to clients how I think a coach would want to hear it. Just basically trying to say, hey, look, I'm as good as you. I'm as good as you. I'm as good as you. When in fact, your clients don't care. If you can get your client a result and you can kind of put that information across in a way that they understand, that's all that matters to them. Because at the end of the day, if you start trying to kind of basically just show off your knowledge and they don't understand it they're not going to get the result i always people now ask me like what my superpowers and i say my superpower is making really complicated stuff super freaking simple but that means my clients get better results because they can actually understand it 
Yeah, 100%. And in my opinion, true genius. If you look at Apple, Apple is genius because they take lots of complex ideas, like being able to message people, be able to call people, being able to build software, have apps. Like it sounds simple now, but that's bloody hard. Well, guess what? They made a product that was so simple, so easy. So you could give it to your granddad and your granddad can pick it up and go, okay, so I click that button, then I call someone. Great. Yeah, I can deal with that. And that is true genius. And I think, yeah, coaches can get stuck in having to feel like they have to prove their knowledge when actually it's not, of course, you need a foundational level of your knowledge. But at the end of the day, if you're getting client results or not, that's the main thing. Are your clients coming away and feeling energized? Are they getting what they need? Are they, if, if they want to lose weight, are they losing weight? If they, if they want to gain weight, are they gaining weight? Whatever. But it's easy to get stuck in a vacuum, particularly as lots of coaches follow each other. So they always see it, they get stuck in this little microcosm of just coaches content. They're like, oh, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. When actually what you said there was so important, which is just focus right for your client. Like a visualization technique that I say to clients that get stuck with content is imagine your favorite client that you could clone again and again and again. Imagine they're sat opposite you and what they're struggling with and just talk to them. Don't tell them how they need to sort of bend at the knees and do this very special RDL variation. Like, no, just tell them like, hey, man. I think you're really stressed with work because you're working at quite a fast pace. I think you need to relax a little bit. And actually, sometimes less training is better than more training. So that's a really quick fire hack that we can see. And actually, let's put a chair out. This is, this is how intention goes. Put a chair out in front of you, in front of a table. Talk to them and write that down, record it. Um, maybe put a camera in front of where their face will be. Visualize it that way. There's lots of different ways to, to do it. But that's a really key point you yeah, picked up on there for sure. Mega, I think it's the one that uh, a, a lot of us as coaches, we coach our younger selves. So I just think about myself as that, I still am that ambitious guy who wants to basically just grab life by the balls and see what he can do. It's like, what are the learning curves, the lessons, the kind of evolutions that I've gone through over these times and what were the sticking points and how can I teach this person kind of how to hurdle those and fast track it? So there's there's so much stuff that we've learned, kind of the king, warrior, magician kind of matrix and that kind of stuff that has literally, I've passed that on to clients and they've been like, oh my God, this has blown their mind and things like that. Been an absolute game changer, like just little nuggets like that. Because you only have to be one step ahead of where your clients are. You don't have to be PhD, doctor, blah, 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 blah. You just need to be able to get someone a result. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. And there's another thing. It's like, you don't need to be the best coach in the world. You just need to be the best coach in your client's world. And if you can recognize that, oh man, it just becomes a lot easier. You take the pressure off because at the end of the day, like, you know, when I was training as a therapist, one of the, some of the research they showed me, which blew my mind was one of the biggest predictors of success, regardless of the different fields of therapy. And you can apply the same to coaching. You know, some people believe in high protein, X, Y, I'm not even going to go into it because my knowledge isn't sharp enough to go into the different, like everybody has different coaching philosophies. Same in therapy. There are lots of different schools of thought around therapy and, and mindset and peak performance as well. But the biggest predictor of success wasn't the field or the methodology that they use, but it was the relationship between the therapist and the coach and the client so if you're being authentic you're being yourself you're being really really confident and going yeah okay who cares like what everybody else is doing as long as you're serving your people and you're loving what you're doing that's all that matters so being able to simplify that it just changes the entire game the biggest thing and then you just don't end up getting in your own head and stopping yourself moving forwards because that's the biggest thing that I think held me back for so many years was comparing myself to these other people thinking I'm not smart enough then not pushing myself and not kind of just doing what was comfortable and what would keep me where I am rather than doing what I know I needed to do but I didn't have the confidence I suppose that's one way of putting it and put myself into those uncomfortable situations that was going to help me kind of grow and become better at what I do and that touches on to a really interesting point because I'd like you to just describe, because it's easy me saying it, but it's more authentic when it comes from you. Just describe 
the Simon I met, I remember it very, very clearly. We were at Adam's place, Adam Haley's, in his apartment. He was hosting an event, and you were just sort of stood there. And I remember thinking, oh, hey, man. And you kind of gravitated towards me, and we kind of just had this really long conversation. And the surface that you had was very, very interesting versus what was actually going on underneath that. So could you just describe the person that was in that room that day and what he was struggling and what his beliefs on himself and the world was? Yeah, I think to do that, I think the best thing is just to take it back just like just before Dubai. So I put that trip down to one of the most pivotal moments of my life to date, like genuinely do. And to think that I nearly didn't go on that trip because I was worried what people were going to say, what people were going to think. Was I going to be that weirdo who turned up and everyone was like, what the fuck is this guy here for? <laughs> I nearly didn't go on that trip. Plucked up the courage to go, went very, very apprehensive to start with, kind of didn't really know what to do, didn't really know what to say, just constantly in my own head, worrying, like, is this person going to like me? Am I going to say the wrong thing? Just not sure. So went into Adam's, just kind of said hello to everyone, kind of sat back and I'll always kind of sit back, observe a room and just kind of keep to myself, kind of figure it out a little bit. And then we kind of gravitated to and just ended up having a conversation. It was just felt comfortable and we, we seemed to get on really well, related on a few different things. We had come from a sporting background and things like that, but it was just that constant fear of what are people going to think? I'm not good enough to do this. Uh, 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 uh. Potentially almost along the lines of like a social anxiety, just constantly getting in my own head and overthinking absolutely everything to the minute, minute little details. And it's freaking tiring when I look back at it and how much the amount of bandwidth that I've managed to open up to put into different aspects of my life now that I've shifted a lot of that is, I don't know, I don't know how I used to live with it, like genuinely. Yeah, like it was a lot of energy that you were burning up. But what's amazing is on the surface, mate, you know, you're like got a successful business, good looking guy, massive guns, really lean, really confident. So on the surface, everybody looks at, at you as one of the top performers in that room from a business perspective. It's like, wow, this guy's got everything together. But underneath all of that, all of those things are running through. And that's part of the point of this podcast is just sharing that. Guess what? We all have our own fears. We all have our own insecurities. We all have these things about us that, that trip us up. And guess what? That's okay. That doesn't have to stop you. And so I'm not surprised the amount of bandwidth that was basically being burnt up. And what did that lead to in terms of behaviors, in terms of ways it was holding you back and holding the business back? Networking, like to think that I nearly didn't go away. And I've literally made, like, met yourself, like, completely helped me change my life, met some incredible people who I'm probably going to go traveling with over the next couple of years. It's literally just opened up every door that could have been opened, I think. Like, and the future that I see ahead for myself, aesthetic strength and absolute everything like that is like, and anything is achievable. Yeah, it's just been absolutely mind blowing. And it's, it's strange because before that trip, I think I used to do everything, everything I did was out of a, I don't know how to convey myself. I don't know if anyone's going to like me. So I'm just going to become the best at what I do. I'm going to double down and work harder than everybody. And I will become the best because everyone likes whoever's the best. Like I played football, got freaking good at that. Everyone like you. You're the first to get picked. Hey, I want you on my team. Played rugby. I'm going to become the best at that. Hey, everyone likes the person who's the best. Right. I'm going to double down on business. Oh, you're the best. I like you. And it wasn't really until we had these conversations and I kind of unraveled this, that I was just growing everything out of becoming the best because I wanted to be liked. I wanted to fit in because I never felt like I fitted in when I was at school and when I was younger and things like that. Had friends, was always friendly with people. But like to this day, out of everyone I went to school with, I'm in contact with one guy. That's it. And I wouldn't change it now. But at the time when I was younger, I didn't know how to interpret that potentially. I thought I was weird, didn't know how to communicate. 
But now that I've realized why I'm doing this, what I'm doing it for, it's now like growing into pleasure rather than kind of growing into pain. Like I was just making things worse and worse and worse because I would keep growing things and realize, oh, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. So actually dealing with what's going on with me has allowed me to go further than potentially would have. And that's so fascinating because it's something I see with ambitious coaches, with athletes, with high performers, CEOs, whatever. It's like, I will overachieve and that will validate my existence and that will give me friends. And that means I'll be like, because the the common human neurosis is really simple. We're all afraid of not being loved and we're all afraid of not being liked. And when you have those fears of not being loved, not being liked and not being good enough, it creates all these crazy behaviors. And we get these moments when we're kids where we're given feedback from the external world, which was you wasn't enough. And that could be direct by a parent, by a coach, a school teacher. It might be indirect just by not getting picked for a football team. And as a result, as a child, we make that decision. Well, yeah, maybe you're right. I'm not good enough. And you basically just give up and you kind of just accept what you're given. Or you go the other way and you go, no, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong because I am good enough and I am worthy. And you get stuck in this overachieving paradox and you're trying to create like this, you know, the perfect body, the perfect business. Even for me, my experiences of, you know, having to get on the England boxing team, having to get ranked in the UK, having to be the top sales guy in my department in software sales. And I was just stuck in these loops of essentially validation through overachievement is essentially what it comes down to. And it takes you so far until you kind of realize, was this it? Because I've achieved what I thought would get me loved and liked, but there's still something missing. And I call that the now what moment. And then what happens there is you either just set another goal and you keep racing towards it and you keep chasing your whole life, never quite figuring out, well, why is it? Don't quite feel fulfilled. Or you go the other way, you self-sabotage until you're in the shit. And then you go, oh, I need to rebuild again. And you kind of get motivated to kind of rebuild yourself and you get stuck in these loops. So it's really fascinating that uh, you've been able to reconcile that. What do you think the root cause of that drive came from? Yeah, so I think it's... I think it's a part of two things. I think I was it was always been embedded into me for my parents just to work fucking hard. Like my granddad's super successful. My mom and dad do really well for themselves. I've always been around what I would see as success, like people getting what they want and getting after it. So I think that was part of it. But I think a lot of the not necessarily being light, it's not feeling loved and that things, it's funny because I'd never even thought about this memory until we did some of our hypnosis stuff. And it's so strange. Originally, we came back to like kind of a memory. I was in just literally like the local supermarket with my mum and I lost my mum. I thought my mum had left me. And when you think about it now, it seems like absolutely nothing. But I just remember as a kid, just absolutely bawling my eyes out. I think my mum's left me. And it would seem like such a small thing, but it's the kind of thought processes that that implants moving forward in your life potentially. But I thought that was it because that was quite a deep feeling. And then we went that Kieran never settles. It's always what else, what else, what else, which is absolutely essential because I need to be pushed. I need to be challenged. And that's why I think things have worked so well. And it came back to a memory of when my sister was born. And I would have only been three years old at this time. And I remember I'd, I'd never even thought about this at all until we did this. And I was like, I think this is a memory, but I don't really, I've never even thought about it. I was three and I was at my granny and papa's just kicking a football around in the garden. And my granny leans out and says, Simon, you've got a baby sister. And I just remember this feeling of thinking, my parents are going to forget me. They're, she's going to be more important, which it makes so much logical sense. Now I can piece the things together. It was like, hey, I need to be better. I need to work harder. I need to do this because otherwise my parents may potentially forget about me because I've now got a baby sister. But yeah, pretty mind blowing when we came through to that. And I, I think we came off the call. I was like, I need to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call shaking the snow globe. Because in that moment, there was a line of code that was written into your subconscious mind that run this 
not being good enough, not being accepted, not being the one, so to speak. It's almost like King of the Castle syndrome. So I'm the oldest in my family. And uh, yeah, when my little brother was born, it was kind of similar. It's like, you're not, you're not King of the Kingdom anymore. Like there's, there's someone else to contend with. And that's often what you see is older child then go rotating into that overachiever to try and get the attention back. So after you shifted that, what were some of the changes that you started to notice? I think the biggest thing was just not feeling that I had to keep everyone potentially, I would bend over backwards and keep everyone else happy just to keep people near me. Even if I took all the pain, it'd be like, hey, fine, absolutely fine. I can deal with it, but it means they stay here. It means I've got people around me. Almost learning to stand up for myself and realizing that I want, I don't need everyone in my life because like everyone has people in their life that come and go. That's just life. Um, everyone evolves and sometimes you grow apart, which is absolutely fine as well. Being able to accept those things, it's allowed me to bring new people into my life who are absolutely incredible. It's also allowed me to move on from different friendships to relationships who weren't potentially best serving me at the time or the kind of trajectory I wanted to take my life from, which I think helped me, helped them, helped others. And it's just kind of opened up a new kind of horizon for where I can potentially go wherever I want to. And how has it impacted the way that you coach and then also the way that you run your coaching business? That's an interesting one. I use a lot of the methodology that we have with a lot of my clients in terms of making sure that people are trying to understand the actual root cause of things. Because when you can actually speak to someone on a slightly deeper level, I think the, the relationship you build is better. The fulfillment you get from it is better. The result that you get from it is better and the retention you get from it is better. Because it's so like, particularly, let's just relate it to sales, for example, just so there's some takeaways for people. It's so easy for someone to come to you and say, hey, I want to lose some body fat. I want to get into muscle. I want to build more confidence. Okay. What is confidence to you? Because confidence for you, Kieran, confidence to me and for confidence, whoever's listening is different. Okay. Why do you want that? No. Why do you want that? No. Why do you want that? And getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It wasn't until I asked myself those questions of why I wanted certain things um, that you actually come to the real reason. And when you have that real strong why, that's where everything else becomes easier. That bigger purpose, that bigger picture becomes a reality of things. So I think just the ability to not settle for surface level answers from people and it might piss some people off. It might rub some people up the wrong way. Some people might not be ready for it, but it's your job to ask the hard questions. That is what someone's investing to you for. And then from a business perspective, I remember, was it the five palm that you were at, that, that hotel where we did that session? Uh, yes, it was. So I remember the the way in which your mind is operating, something called auditory digital and NLP, which is all about, you know, they love processes, they love structure, they love thinking, but then they overthink. And I don't know if you can hear this on the mic, but it's like the, it's like the, the, the cogs are just whirring away. And I remember us discussing that and how it used to impact you in decision-making, whether that was taking on new services, whether it was doing whatever. But just run me through how that's helped on that side of things. Because I think that's what I see with a lot of coaches. They get stuck in their own head and they get analysis by paralysis. So just describe how it was, how it used to be and how things are now having worked through that because it was a big point for you i remember yeah it was a big one it was really interesting just on that is i always thought i was a visual learner because i like doing things physically but to understand like how i do things in my head just 
helped me put a lot of like piece a lot of things together. But put it this way, I used to overthink things that much that I should have started my online business 18 months before I did. I would kill to be 18 months ahead of where I am right now. Like, honestly, everything happens for a reason. Like I had whiteboards out. I was mind mapping stuff. Like I'm going to start a members area. I'm going to do premium. I'm going to do gold, silver, bronze. Like I literally to the detail, like I think probably still got the Google Docs. Be really interesting to go back and look at them. Like sat down and mapped out every detail and then didn't do it shifting this overthinking and also just surrounding myself with the right people, having that kind of boardroom that you speak about where I can, if I'm overthinking, just ask someone like, Hey, look, this is what I'm thinking. Just have someone to soundboard. It's allowed me to be an extremely, extremely quick implementer. And I think that's one of the things that has served me the best over the last 18 months is I've learned if I don't implement like that, I don't do it because I just end up overthinking. And if you don't do it, guess what? You don't get the results. It's that simple. Okay. We all know that with our clients. If you don't stick to the diet, you don't get the results. If you don't train, you don't get the results. It's the same if you're trying to grow your business. If you don't post on social media, you're not going to gain new clients. If you don't do your check-ins, you're not going to get results. So trying to shift that paralysis by analysis, like you said, and just taking action and also realizing that it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect action, I think is a, a big thing as well. We're all driven. We're all perfectionist to some degree. Take action and refine later because it will never be perfect. Even at the point now, my business feels completely broken, but I now learned that that's okay and it will get better as I go. And it's a refinement rather than complete kind of overhaul of things. And that's amazing because you feel like your business is completely broken. Yeah. Many coaches would look at your business and go, wow, that's incredible. This guy's got his shit together. Like this guy's got all of it. He's got clients. He's charging well. He's like getting transformations. He's changing lives. He's about to go traveling. And yeah, actually you can sit there and look at your business and go, it's, it's completely broken. But guess what? I'm okay with that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, because there's no way I would have been able to do this and be able to switch off like I can now as well. Be able to say, hey, I'm going to go away and do this at the same time just being okay with things not being exactly how you want them to be and then not reverting back into okay i have to necessarily might have to work harder because it feels broken i think has been the, the biggest game changer as well yeah and let's that's that perfectionism that we worked on and that ability to switch off as well like i remember your work clocking up some insane hours and it's something that people surface level take it in yeah i need to rest yeah you take your rest days or whatever but actually you know it takes time for you to actually really appreciate that downtime equals uptime. So just touch on the, the shifts that we had in your structure in terms of taking that recovery time. Yeah. So the you don't realize how ruined, like knackered you are until you feel good. It's like, it's those things. So when I actually started to take a step back, delegate, or just put in simple systems, like we put in very, very simple systems of a morning routine and evening routine. So when I went into bed, I could actually switch off and get a decent night's sleep. I always thought that I was sleeping well, because when I hit the pillow, I just go doink. But in fact, I was waking up in the middle of the night and my head was going, oh, I need to do that, that, and that. I'm like, you're not sleeping well if you're waking up in the middle of the night and thinking I need to do that, that, that. You might be asleep, you're not resting, you're not recovering. So the evening routine, having that kind of brain dump and putting a bit of an action plan, I call it daily battle planning. Just putting the three to five things I need to implement tomorrow for, in order for it to be a success. Getting it out of my head onto the paper allowed me to sleep better. Okay, the morning routine, I had a tendency to literally wake up and be like, right, laptop open, let's go. Whereas now I take 30 minutes, 45 minutes in the morning away from my phone, nothing like that. 
still need to get better at that. Sometimes I do open the phone and I'm like, Simon, Kieran's going to have a go at you. <laughs> but just having that initial time in the morning where you can work on you and set yourself up for success rather than waking up and just putting out fire, putting out fire, putting out fire and setting it up as a lose. Like I think in society nowadays, everyone just starts their day with lose. They, they snooze their alarm, lose. So they miss breakfast, lose. And they sit because they're late. They sit in traffic, lose. Then they're late to work, lose. Their boss has a go at them. So they're late, lose. Okay. Whatever that might be. Like if you can get up and just start with a win, you just set the tone for the day. Like winning is a habit. If you, the more you can win, the more you will win long-term. Left field question out of nowhere. What's your biggest fear? What scares you? Being a cog in the system, doing the same shit over and over again, stuck in the nine to five grind. I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And what do you love? What do you love? It Like, what's the opposite of that? Because I think it's so easy for us to say, and I see this all the time, clients will come in, they're like, I just don't want to be anxious anymore. So, okay, what are you going to be instead? Oh, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> it's like, like highlighting where, where is it that you want to spend your time? How do you want to do things? So, yeah, instead of that, what does excellence, what does a great fulfilled life look like to Simon Johnson? This took me a long time to figure out, didn't it? <laughs> this took me a long time. And uh, for me, it's being curious. It's new experience and being curious, okay? But never forgetting where I came from, okay? I love Christian Guzman. It's the whole proud but never satisfied, constantly wanting more but remembering where you came from, but being curious about what experiences are out there, what can I do differently, how can I help people differently, how can I challenge myself, just constantly curious of what else is there. Here's another question as well. Like you've achieved a lot in to scale your business to where it's at in the, the period of time. So if you wanted to achieve that in half the amount of time, how would you do it? How would I do it? I would invest earlier into myself, particularly from a mindset perspective. You speak to anyone who's done six figures, quarter million, whatever, and they say, hey, what's the one thing that would stop you getting to seven figures? I guarantee 99.9% .9 of those people will say themselves. Okay. It's your, you are the only person that will stop you doing what you want to do. Okay. You are your own biggest critic and person will hold you back the most. So invest into yourself, whether that be in terms of your body, in terms of your mind, in terms of your business, invest into yourself and delegate way earlier than you think you need to, <laughs> because I should have delegated in terms of some getting another coach on board, probably six months before I did. And if I'd done that, I would have had so much more runway for growth. That's a really, really interesting point, which we could go on for hours and hours. I've got one final question. And this is, forget the team, forget me, forget Kate, forget the others. But what does the phrase total mental performance mean to you? Oh, you've put me on the spot here, man. <laughs> total mental performance for me is knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, making sure that you work on your weaknesses but also making sure that you double down in your strengths. Know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, work on your weaknesses, but remember you're good at what you're good at for a reason. And if you had total mental performance, how would you know? How do you be behaving? How would you be thinking? How would you be feeling? For me, it's not doing what I want, when I want, with who I want, and not getting in my own head and overthinking it. That's the biggest, biggest thing for me. Nice. Well, Simon, mate, it's been a fucking pleasure having you on. I really, really enjoyed that chat. And I think a lot of our coaches out there in the industry are going to hear take a lot away from that so thank you for coming on where can um where can people find you yeah appreciate it dude honestly it's been an absolute pleasure and just like a, a bit of a public thank you to you personally because generally i would not be who i am or where i am if it wasn't for you yeah massive thank you and if anybody wants to find me connect just instagram simon johnson fitness drop me a message i'm all, I'm all ears any questions and i would follow simon up on that mate like anyone that's listening he's a really 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 top guy heart of gold and simon thank you so much mate it means pleasure and you know 
working with you to get you to where you are and just seeing the man that you used to be versus you are today. I always say this, if you was going to put yourself in a fight, in a boxing ring, because I used to ask myself this when I was a fighter, would I beat who I was last month, last year, last season, two years, three years ago? If we were to put them in the same ring of the man that I met versus the man you are today, you'd knock the other guy clean out one round, <laughs> game over, roll him over. I don't think they'd let the fight start, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, they'll probably say, you know what, that's a mismatch. So it makes seeing you grow it and get where it's been been inspiring. So thank you for letting me be a part of that. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts, and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.